Good morning. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> I feel like doing that thing where um, the speaker will say, say it again and get them to repeat. I won't do that, though. Hey, my name is Mikey. Very good to be with you this morning. Welcome to church. We, as a church, have been going through the book of Acts. We've been going through it for almost uh, halfway through last year, and we're at chapter 24 today. About three weeks ago, I started looking at chapter 24 to be like, okay, we'll start thinking through, okay, what, what can I share from this? And if I'm honest with you, the first time I read through, I didn't really get anything. And I was like, oh man, this is three weeks away. What am I gonna do? But an awesome thing has been that as I've been reflecting on this passage, it's actually become very, very challenging the more I've looked at it. And in the last couple of weeks, perhaps the most challenging passage in my own personal life. And so as I come and share from it today and share the challenging message, it's been something that first of all has been very much challenging me. A couple of things I've been thinking about um, that I think will help us as we come to Acts. The first is something I've always realised and it's that when we teach or when we speak about God, we have to be very careful with what we say. We have to be very careful that we don't say something false about God. And so the warnings in Scripture against that are quite clear and so I've been aware of that. But what I haven't been aware of is the second thing, and that is that we need to be careful how we listen. We need to be careful how we listen. Jesus, at the start of his teaching ministry, um, he, he gives the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is quite well known. It's where a farmer went out and, and he sowed seed into all these different types of soil. And, and it's sort of a picture of the Word of God going out and different people receiving it. You, you have the good soil, and that's where the Word of God came. And... and it grew up, nothing hindered it, and it said that it bore a harvest 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You have these two soils in the middle, and it says that it grew up initially. They were excited about the Word, but, but then other things came. The cares of life came. The deceitfulness of riches came, and it sort of hindered the growth. And I don't want to go into whether that, that saved or not, but there is a warning there. But, but the first soil, that's what I want to look at. Because the first soil, it was where the farmer came and he, and he cast it on the pavement. And, and most of us, even if we don't know farming, know that that's probably not going to grow. And, and we're told that the birds came and took the seed. And Jesus goes on to explain that that is the equivalent of Satan coming and taking the Word of God because the person did not understand it. And, and Jesus gives this warning as he's explaining the parable in Matthew 13. And explaining the purpose of parables, he says this, For to the one who is more, has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So, so the one who has, he will be given more. But the one who does not have, even the little thing that he has will be taken away. And in the context of the parable, I think it's right to understand that as understanding. And the biblical view of understanding is not a head knowledge. He's not talking about, man, can you repeat um, Jesus' teaching? Can you tell me what he said? Can you tell me the facts about it? But the Scripture teaches that understanding happens when it moves from our head to our hearts and we internalise it and we obey it. And he's saying, be careful how you listen because if you, if you listen and you understand it and you obey it, more will be given to you. But if you don't listen and if you don't obey it, be careful because even the little thing that you have will be taken away. And so there's a real warning here to be careful how we listen to the Word of God, that we don't just hear it up here, but that we understand it, that we internalise it, and that we obey it. And so as we come to Acts 24, that's a very helpful thought 
But it also makes me wanna pray before we start because we're opening God's Word. And I wanna ask that you would pray with me. The amount of time I've sat down there and someone up the front has prayed and my mind's just switched off and gone somewhere else, I don't know. I wanna ask that you don't do that this morning, but that you'd pray for yourself and that you'd actually pray for me because you don't wanna hear me speak, you wanna hear God speak this morning through His Word. And would you pray that, I suppose, us as a church, as we hear His Word, we would be people who understand it and obey it, not people who just hear it up here. So could we pray now as we start? Heavenly Father, Lord, it says in the New Testament that in your church that we are your temple and that your spirit dwells here. And Lord, as, as we come and open your word, we, we've come, we've worshipped you, we've talked about you and to you, Lord, we long for you to come and speak to us this morning by your spirit, which is here. And, and I just wanna pray, Lord, that as we open your word, that you would help me to teach only what's pleasing to you and what you want me to teach this morning. And that everyone here, as we listen to your word, Lord, we would not be people who just hear it we go out of these doors and, and it's, just, it's just gone. It's snatched away. But Lord, we would be people who hear it and understand it and apply it and obey it. That's my prayer this morning as we look at Acts 24. So would you do that by your spirit, Lord? That's what I pray. And thank you that we're able to come to you in prayer because of Christ. Just remember that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are in Acts 24. Bit of context, uh, Paul was... Paul was a missionary. He went out from Jerusalem. He went to big cities surrounding the Mediterranean and he would go and he'd plant churches. He has just returned from one of those journeys where he went out to encourage the believers in those churches. So, so he's come back to Jerusalem. He, he's come back to Jerusalem to bring an offering as we, as we heard about three weeks ago. And he's also come back to Jerusalem to come to the temple. And while he's at the temple, this riot forms because these Jews start coming and they start accusing him of neglecting the law and they create this riot. And so the Roman officials are called in and for the next two chapters from 21 to 23, it's just Paul again and again justifying himself, first of all, to the council of the elders, then to the Roman tribune. And now when we come to 24, he's been taken to a higher official and that's the governor, Felix. So Felix is our main character here in the story today. We have in 24 a court case where, where the elders, um, the high priest have come before uh, Felix and are accusing Paul. They've hired a lawyer and the lawyer's name is Tetelus. And 24 opens with the accusation. Now, now this accusation and then Paul's defence, I'm, I'm gonna go through quite quickly because I want us to focus on the last part of 24. But just to give us context, let's look at them now. So, so Tetelus comes and he begins to accuse Paul. This is what he says. In verse two, since through you we enjoy much peace and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly, for we have found this man, Paul, a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse you. And some Jews joined in the charge as well, bringing these, these are false accusations against Paul. So, so Felix hears to tell us, and then he nods to Paul to begin, and then Paul gives his defence. So let's keep reading from verse 10. Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defence. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem 
and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this one thing I do confess, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. And he goes on to say that when he was in the temple, what happened was not what they were accusing him of. So he's saying, I'm innocent of what you're saying. They are true. I am a Christian. I I do follow the way. I believe in God. I actually believe in the same God that they do. I believe in the law and the prophets. And he's saying, I've done no wrong in that though. Felix, down in verse 22, hears the case and he says, okay, I'm gonna hold off deciding. I'm gonna wait until the Roman tribune comes. And so he puts Paul in custody, in prison. He allows his friends to come and attend to him and he leaves Paul there. And in verse 24, this is where I want us to focus. So verse 24, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favour, Felix left Paul in prison. Can I ask you a question? If if you were to choose anyone to speak to you about faith, who would you choose? And take Jesus off the list? Because I think we'd all choose Jesus. And more about faith in Christ, because otherwise I think we might choose someone in the Old Testament and ask about their stories or the miracles that happen. But, but thinking about faith in Jesus Christ, is there anyone more than Paul that you would want to speak to? Even just for a little bit, to hear him, hear him speak about his faith, ask him, man, how did you live the life that you did? What, what was your faith to you that led you to just give up everything for it? Even to ask him to explain some stuff in his letters because it's like, man, why do you write that? I would just long to speak to Paul even for one day. Felix got to speak to him for two years. Two years, all to himself. I don't think anyone else had that opportunity. Maybe people at the church at Ephesus, I don't know. But Felix got to speak to him for two years. If you think back two years, that's the start of 2018. That, that's a long time to just hear one person explain his faith. And yet Luke gives no indication that Felix responds to Paul's message. And that, like, that astounds me because if there was anyone I thought could convince someone of the faith, it would be Paul. And it's not like he has a shortage of time. He has two years to systematically explain from the Scriptures, from his own experience about God, about faith in Jesus Christ. And yet Felix hears him for two years and does not respond he keeps coming back to him. We see an interest for money there, but nevertheless, nevertheless, he still hears Paul for two years and does not respond. And I suppose what I think when I think of that is a concept that the Bible calls fellowed, fellowed ground. And it comes from two verses in Jeremiah and Hosea. And he says, break up your fellowed ground. And so it's another farming reference. So we're doing a lot of farming references this morning. Uh, it's where a farmer would leave his soil to rest for, for a period of time 
so it would stop producing crops. So instead it would produce weeds, they would harden. And the idea was that he would then go and break that soil and, and sow seeds again and it would be more fruitful. But what, what the prophets are saying when they say break up your fallowed ground is, is make sure your ground is not fallowed right now because if the farmer was not very bright, sort of like the other farmer who sowed on the pavement, it's not gonna grow plants if it's fallowed, if it's hard. The weeds are just gonna stop it growing. Or it's not even gonna take root. And it's this idea of a hardened heart to the Word of God. And that's what I see from Felix. And yet, as I look at, I look at Felix, right, at first I thought, oh yeah, he's someone maybe out there on the street who you would go and say, hey, can I talk to you about God? And they'd say, no, I don't want anything to do with it. But he's actually not, because if you look at the text, he comes with his wife, Drusilla, to see Paul. And I don't know how often a governor, someone very, very high up would take the time to go speak to a prisoner. He takes the time to go and speak to Paul with his wife and hear him speak. And so if we were to correlate Felix with someone, it would be like someone coming to church, seeking to hear about God and about the things of God. And yet still he has a hardened heart to the Word of God. And my, I suppose the challenge that I'm wanting to bring you this morning, and I wanna unpack this a bit more, is would you examine yourself to see how you're listening and to see whether you have that hardened heart to the Word of God? Whether you're hearing the Word of God for a long time, every week at church, from different people explaining to you, and yet are you understanding it? Are you obeying it? Because Felix is an example of someone who didn't. Paul, Paul talks about this, and in his letter to Timothy, he writes to Timothy concerning the church, and he describes what's gonna happen in the last days. And you could say that this applies to us. He's talking about the church. So hear this description of what people will be like in the church. He says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse one, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And he gives this pretty strong list and a description of them. As you think about those characteristics, I, I, for me, I picture someone, okay, they're quite visibly, maybe you wanna say the word bad, quite visibly got these characteristics and yet the next description of them, this is what he says, they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. They have the appearance of godliness. These are people in the church who, who if anyone else was to look at them, that they would look godly, they would be serving, they may be teaching, they, they may know how to pray right. They have this appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. And the characteristics Paul describes them with is that they're actually very far from God. They have this hardened heart that they're not understanding the word and applying it. They're just hearing it. And, and yet they have this appearance of godliness. And, and if I'm to understand this correct, then I think that it may be likely that even in our church here, we have people who have the appearance of godliness to other people and yet before God are not right. And I say that very carefully, but that's the challenge that I see from here in the same way that Felix heard the word of God for two years and yet did not respond. And as I was looking at Felix, I sort of at first of all thought he was someone who just didn't want Christianity at all. And then I realized, oh, he actually came to seek Paul. But then I realized something else. He actually not only 
came to seek Paul, but he was convicted by what Paul said. So, so it's like Felix is coming closer and closer and closer to having faith, if you can picture it like that. Because, okay, coming back to Acts 24, after Paul explains to him about righteousness, about self-control and the coming judgments, we're told that Felix was alarmed. And, and this word alarmed, in the Greek, the word fear is this word phobos. Um, and from it, we get phobia. So that's where you've got a phobia of something, you've got a fear of something. That, that's the standard word for fear or being afraid. Luke here uses emphobos. So, so it's an extension on that word. It's like saying a great fear and could perhaps best be interpreted as terrified. So, so that's the connotations it carries. So Felix was terrified at what Paul said. So that shows two things. That shows that he actually believed the word because if you didn't believe it and did it, we're just like, that is ridiculous. I don't think you'd be terrified. And, and, and he knew that he, he, he was convicted. He, he knew that this was speaking of him as Paul reasoned to him. So, so he believed that he was convicted. And I look at that, I'm like, man, you were so close to understanding it. So close. And yet he was convicted and nothing happened after that. And, and what it reminds me of is the story of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, man, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, man, do all the commandments. The rich young man says, I've done these since my youth. And Jesus says, one thing do you lack? Go and sell your possessions. And we're told that the rich young man left Jesus and went away sad because he had many, many riches. He went away sad, he went away convicted. And I think a lot of us can come to church. We can be convicted by the Word of God. We can be, man, that was, that was a challenging message. I'm super convicted by it. And we can leave those doors and walk away convicted. But, but the Bible doesn't teach that that's enough. We're to be convicted that leads to obeying. Otherwise, when we walk out there, the evil one can come and snatch away that Word. Like he came and snatched away the seed from the soil. So my challenge again, I'm just sort of looking at it from different angles and from looking at Felix is would you examine yourself? Would you be careful how you're listening to the Word of God? Because we as humans can be, very, can be very easy to be convicted and to almost deceive ourselves and think we're doing the right thing. We're here at church, we're convicted. But actually what the Scriptures teach is that's not right. Okay, can I show you, I suppose, a, a reminder for me of what... Um, of, what um, of, of human nature towards being, being hardened or being constantly not quite getting there. Paul, Paul uses the verse in Timothy, and I didn't get to it, of always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. So, so always learning at church but never coming to knowledge of the truth. Does anyone here like these? Hey, there are quite a few. Nice, nice. These are Werther's originals. I remember the first time I had one of these, and it's very, very, very nice. I'd almost recommend don't go and get it because they're very good. I, I pride myself on, on eating healthy. And <laughs> some of the time. <laughs> I, I had the first one of these. And so the next day I, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a packet and, and they're going to be a mark for me of discipline, a symbol of discipline. So I'm going to prove that I have control over, over my desires. I'm going to buy a packet and put it in the door of my car and every morning, I can have one lolly on the way to work and have one a day. And it's in moderation. I can enjoy it. That's fine. I, I bought it on the Sunday afternoon to have one on the Monday. I'd eaten the whole packet by the Sunday. 
And then I, so, so I was feeling sick and I was like, okay, man, my rule is don't, don't buy anymore. I can't, I can't have self-control. The next day I was at work and I was like, actually, no, I'm going to get this. I, I'm going to have self-control here. And so I went and bought another packet and the same thing happened that night. And, and if I'm honest, that this was in September, probably those three months was a series of me going and buying a packet, eating a lot, saying, okay, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> a week later, a day later, going and buying another packet. And for me, that's the reminder to me that in our human nature, we can so easily be convicted and not apply it. Do you know what I mean? It's like the cycle of the judges where the people would sin, everything would go wrong, they'd call out to God, and, and then it's like um, God would come again, restore them from the enemies, and then it's like the next chapter, they, they'd turn to again from the, to their sin. It's a cycle of our human nature, and this for me is a reminder of my human nature and hopefully a reminder to you. And so in that, my challenge, would you look at yourself? And so, first of all, I'm speaking, would you look at yourself to see whether you're in Christ, whether you know Christ, whether you're right before God? That, that would be my first challenge to you here. For everyone here, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been at church, to examine yourself and see, are you in Christ? But, but from there, the second challenge that I see, and I wanna come back to that one, is it is the, not the negative example of Felix, but the positive example of Paul. So if you look at Paul, in verse 15, he's describing his faith in God and he says, I believe that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So he believes there's a resurrection. And I think that he's talking about resurrection to judgment because in the next verse he says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man that the word there is just striving after, making every effort to make sure I have a clear conscience before God. As I was looking at this, I don't know, I suppose I don't know the, the implications because when we're in Christ, it says that we're, there's no condemnation. But still in the New Testament, there's a hint that we're accountable for our actions, for everything done in the body, both good and bad. And, and I don't wanna speak to that as such because I, I would say I don't know enough to teach on that. But what I can see from this example is that Paul's understanding of the judgment and Paul's understanding of what would happen when he died led him to make every effort to not sin. And in the same way that Felix's hard, her heart was hard to the teaching of God to even accept it in the first place, the Bible also teaches us that when we are Christians, when we're in the faith, we can still be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and it can creep into our life. And, and again, the same process, we can be convicted, but we we sometimes won't apply it and we'll keep being convicted by it and not apply it. And I want to speak to you here today who, who would say you're in Christ. As, as we look at Felix's nature of having a hard heart, would you also examine yourself to see whether in your life there is sin that you're allowing there because your heart is sort of hard to it, that, that you might come to church and occasionally be convicted by it and yet still in your life it is still there. And my challenge to you, would you be people who read the Word of God with such a, such a seriousness that you look at the commands in there and don't just think, man, I'm challenged by that, but think I'm gonna put this into action. I'm gonna put this into action and do it because I think we can often read this and read over texts that challenge us and then forget about them. And so I want you as well, even if you're in Christ, to be examining yourself and to see whether you are right before God.
because that was Paul's understanding of judgment. It led him to make sure he was always right before God. And what I, that's sort of my two challenges from this. And as I, as I close, we're gonna lead into communion from here. I want us to look at what Paul actually taught to, to Felix. It says that he taught about faith in Christ Jesus and then he taught three things, righteousness, self-control and the coming judgment. And I suppose before I look into them just briefly as we close, I wanna ask no matter where you are on your faith journey, would you hear them today and seek to not just hear it, but actually be examining yourself as you hear them? So the three things, righteousness, self-control and the coming judgment. I see self-control as being the, the carrying out of righteous, righteousness. So Paul saying to Felix, man, you need to be self-controlled to be righteous. I see that's how it connects there. So I wanna focus mainly on righteousness and then the coming judgment. Paul's teaching on righteousness is pretty much that all of us are very, very unrighteous. In Romans 3, he gives this passage and you probably know it. He, he concludes that everyone, both Jews and Greeks are under sin. In Romans 3 verse 10, he says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. All of us are unrighteous before God. And I want you to know that because I think we can often bring down the standard of righteousness to justify ourselves or, or to make it seem not as bad. And yet Paul's standard of righteousness is very high because God's standard is very high. And he says that we fall very, very far short of that. He describes that because of our unrighteousness, it leads to judgment. That's how it relates. He, he's talking about people with hard hearts. Back in chapter two, he says, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And, and as I, what I imagine Paul explaining to Felix is saying, you are, you are unrighteous, you don't meet God's righteous standard. And the result of that is a coming judgment and a wrath. He says that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. He says that you will be held accountable to God and everything done before God, not, not what people see. Okay, they might see you as having the appearance of godliness, but he's like, man, before God, one day you will come before God, everything will be laid before Him. And in Hebrews 4, it says that the Word of God discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart and every creature is naked and exposed to the eyes of him we must give an account, to whom we must give an account. One day, all of us in here this room, we will come before God and our actions, everything done in secret will be laid before him and he must give an account. And as I think about that, I don't know how you think about that, but that brings a fear and I can see why Felix was alarmed. Why Felix said, man, can you go away for the present time? I can't bear to hear you speak anymore on this. But, but I think no matter where we are in our faith journey, it's important to understand because when we have a high view of the wrath of God and, and we don't like talking about it very much, but when we have a high view of the punishment that we deserve, that also brings us to a high view of the gospel and our need for Jesus. Because the gospel teaches that that wrath in all of its fullness came down on 2000 years ago onto that cross, onto that, that capital punishment of, of execution on the cross. It came down on Jesus so that we would not have to bear any of that wrath. There'd be no condemnation, but we'd be made right before God. And, and as we come to communion, that, that's what we remember. The, the body that, that bore the wrath that we deserved in all of its fullness and, and the blood that was poured out, poured out for forgiveness so that we are justified before God.
And so as we come to a time of communion, my challenge to you is examine yourself. That's it. Examine yourself. And if you examine yourself and you are not sure whether you would be right before God right now, this is so urgent, this is so important that you don't walk out of these doors convicted and think, man, I should do something about that. But that today you do something about that and talk to someone. If you're here and you you're, look at your life and look, look at, man, I am having a hard heart in areas of my life, do something about it. Don't walk out of here convicted because the Bible calls us that we're to understand it, we're to be careful how we listen, we're to understand it and obey it. And that's the challenge that I see from Felix and it's the challenge that I wanna give you from, from that. So, so I wanna pray for the bread and the, and the cup and then the deacons will come up and we'll go into time of communion. So let's pray. Lord God, again, we come before you and just as I think about the punishment for sin in all of its fullness, I suppose I pray that you would give us a greater understanding of that so that we can have a greater understanding of the gospel and our need for the gospel. And my prayer, Lord, is that as we as a church come and take communion, we thank you for it, Lord. But we also ask that you would be working in our hearts, convicting us, challenging us, making us people who don't walk out of here convicted, but people who obey the word and apply it. And so, Lord, I thank you for your body, for your sacrifice. That means that we actually can come into relationship with you and be right before you because you took the wrath in all its fullness. So I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.